say you go on a trail ride and uh, the folks who are providing this trail ride are licensed, they're insured, they have trained guides, trained according to the standards outlined in Outfitters and Guides Licensing Board rules. Uh, they have done everything, let's just assume, correctly at the outset of this trip. They've informed people about the risks inherent in the activity. They've asked them to sign a liability release, despite the fact that an Idaho is at best dubious that it's enforceable. They have uh, put helmets on them. They've given them an orientation. They've checked to make sure that the horses are uh, in a good mood or good enough. <laughs> and uh, they take them out. They take them out on the, uh, on the trail. As they go along, out of nowhere, some scree comes down from the side hill, spooks the horse. Horse is spooked, horse jumps, person falls, person goes down the hill, hurts himself. Uh, in this case, because liability releases are not enforceable for outfitters and guides in Idaho, it is very likely that, that if that individual were to sue the outfitter, that that case would proceed despite the fact that neither the outfitter nor guide in this instance could have controlled uh, that scree would fall that horses are animals, our prey animals do spook, uh, that the person fell off the horse. Those are the risks inherent in the activity. There's no way that a person can control those. Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. The scenario you just heard is not uncommon in Idaho's wild outdoor places, but outfitters and guides are asking lawmakers to adjust their liability under the state law. Senate Bill 1051 was taken up on Monday in the Senate Judiciary and Rules Committee. Uh, my name is Todd Lakey, State Senator from District 23. We all live in Idaho. Um, you all know that we're um, a good rugged outdoor place. And that's part of what draws all of us to this state and part of what draws visitors to this state. People love to come here because they like to engage in outdoor recreational activities. Uh, myself, I like to whitewater. Uh, raft. I like to fish. Um, don't do as much hunting as I used to as when I was younger, uh, but you can add to those activities mountain biking, trail riding, rock climbing, many other activities. And all of these things come with inherent risks. And we do these things in places or in ways that are inherently dangerous. Uh, but frankly, that's part of the fun. That's why we seek those things out. Um, I know that when I go down a class four rapid, um, there are inherent risks. There are rocks. I could drown. Um, but nobody's forcing me to go down those class four rapids. Um, I could stay home and watch my kid play video games. Or you don't, you don't have to engage in these activities, and they're sought out because of their nature. Uh, those that do this should be responsible for themselves and those choices that they make to do these inherently risky activities. If we don't provide liability protection, um, then we won't have these kind of activities to choose from. Uh, people get hurt doing these things, and you know there are lawsuits, and pretty soon folks will be out of business if we don't provide those protections. Lakey ran a bill to update liability for ski resorts several years ago, and is running this bill on behalf of the Outfitters and Guides, several of whom spoke on Monday. Uh, my name is Aaron Lieberman, and I am the Executive Director of the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Association. We cannot make it the case that rocks aren't hard. We can't control when the wind blows and a tree comes down. There are things that are inherent to these activities we cannot control. We should not be held accountable for those things. We should be held to account for the things we can, which is why we maintain allowances for negligence and recklessness and intentional conduct in the bill. Let's go over to the Riverside, say to uh, take folks out on a trip and not properly fit them with a PFD or fit them with a PFD at all. 
and that person fell out, which might happen with or without a life jacket. But because they weren't wearing a life jacket, they didn't have the additional buoyancy to help them, and they ended up drowning. Now, in a case like that, to me, it is clear that that outfitter and or guide was negligent. But one of the de descriptions you've just given is that if an outfitter refuses or fails to put a life vest on someone that's going on to white water, you, you indicated that would be negligence. I guess what I would be curious to, to know is if it's, in your opinion, recklessness at that point. And if so, if that, you know, are, are, we, are we creating a complete waiver of the obligation of an outfitter to put a life vest on somebody going on to whitewater? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Lawmakers had some of their questions answered by Leah Corrigan, founder and managing attorney at Recreation Law Group, who helped draft the bill. Uh, my name again is Leah Corrigan. I'm an attorney with a background in civil litigation, um, importantly, both on the plaintiff side and on the defense side. Part of my work has been representing various outdoor recreation companies and industries when they get sued in serious injury or fatality cases. I live in East Idaho, but I represent outdoor recreation clients across the five Western states where I'm licensed. Because of the nature of my practice, I have a relatively deep knowledge of how these cases actually play out in litigation in neighboring states and how, depending on where an incident happens, you could have identical facts, but because of the state of the law in various states, you might get very different outcomes. And I think Idaho, unfortunately, is a bit of an outlier and, and can you can end up with sometimes absurd results based on fairly straightforward facts. So here in Idaho in 1979, the legislature enacted 61201 ETSEC, and that regulates outfitters and guides and also provided immunity from liability where a participant is injured as a result of an, an inherent risk. Even in 1979, this legislature recognized there are certain things that are inherent risks. Seems like the, the committee understands that and agrees on it. And in that case, outfitters and guides should not be held liable. Then in 1984, the Idaho Supreme Court ruled that because the legislature in that 1979 act had created a public duty by enacting the legislation, that as a matter of law, liability waivers were now unenforceable for outfitters and guides. So this 1984 ruling led to what I think was a clearly unintended consequence of the legislation. And I think Senator Rupti in previous testimony was talking about how a, a bill was a cleanup. I, I view this as a cleanup, not as a sea change in the legislation. So it, there was this unintended consequence that ironically, because outfitters and guides are regulated by the state by statute, now all of a sudden um, waivers which had been enforceable and are enforceable across other industries aren't for outfitters and guides. And that's obviously doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Then in 2016, a federal judge refused to enforce a liability waiver based on that Lee versus Sun Valley precedent. And you'll hear from someone else who had handled that case about the impact that had. My name is Caitlin O'Brien. I'm an attorney at Smith Malik, um, but I'm here today on behalf of the Outfitters and Guides. I defended a rafting company at one point in my tenure as an attorney um, in the situation that we're all talking about that this statute was amended for. Um, Briefly, in that case, the individual, the participant that um, unfortunately deceased on the trip signed three liability waivers. All three times he assumed the risk of falling out of a raft out of, for death, and um, 
and alas, he ended up falling out of a raft in a river and, and died. And that company was sued. And because the waiver was not upheld, we, we, we fought it tooth and nail and the judge threw it out because of the law as it currently sits. And that company ended up going out of business and lost their license. And it was a business that had been in standing for 30 plus years. Um, I think I wanted to clarify a couple points that came up um, with Senator Anthem. Um, we're not asking the legislature to enact a law to remove all liability on outfitters. All we're really talking about is basic negligence, which is human mis mistakes, errors, but, you know, simple, neg simple negligence, simple errors, not the person didn't put on any LI fests for participants that were going on a Den River. They might have instead accidentally chosen the wrong uh, route down rapid, right? Just it, a, hum a simple human error. We're not, we're not trying to give a blanket waiver to everybody. And this would equal the playing field, like Ms. Corgan said, with other industries. This situation came to my attention a few years ago when a client of mine was sued by a woman's family despite the fact that she had clearly assumed all inherent risks of a whitewater trip, including serious injury or death, and she had pledged not to sue in the event of a serious injury or death. In litigating that case, it became clear to me that the liability waiver that she had signed was not going to be enforced under Idaho law. As a result of this reality, the insurance company decided to pay a significant settlement to that family they didn't want to pay for the cost of going to trial, even though the facts were clearly in my client's favor. These types of results have a significant ripple effect on insurance premiums. In my career, I've seen insurance market for these activities narrow and premiums are skyrocketing. As an underwriter in some skyscraper in Chicago sees these claims and the dollar figures that are being paid out and they think, I don't know if that's an industry we want to be in. Another important fact for you all to understand is that in order to get a permit to operate on public land in the state of Idaho, an outfitter is required to carry pretty significant liability insurance coverage. So outfitters who um, have a claim, meritorious or not, are getting squeezed out of business. And consequently, the public has less opportunity to recreate and less choice in the outfitters that they hire. The amendment accomplishes what I think are two pretty simple purposes. It makes clear that as a matter of public policy, the legislature wants liability waivers to be enforceable, same for outfitters and guides as you would have for bouncy houses or ski areas or soccer, all the other things that we all sign waivers for every day. Second, it clarifies what we all know to be the truth, that outdoor recreation in these wild places in Idaho is an activity that is just not without inherent risk, and that by deciding to participate, you're assuming that risk. Members on the panel, both attorneys and non-attorneys alike, discussed the various levels of negligence, from simple negligence to recklessness and intentional conduct. As you can tell from my question to Senator Leakey, I'm not an attorney, so I'm not sure sometimes how y'all, how they write. <laughs> Let's say the owner of this operation that takes people out on horse rides realizes they're going to have a few more people than they anticipate and they need to get some new horses. So they go to a friend and they bring three new horses in. These horses have not been ridden in three months. Um, the owners don't do a good job of finding out whether those horses are appropriate for kids, for people who are brand new to riding horses. 
an outfitter or guide has no duty to eliminate, alter, control, or lessen the risks inherent with recreational activities provided by outfitters and guides. Riding horses is an activity provided by outfitters and guides. An inherent risk of riding a horse is it may not be appropriate for the rider. Um, I'm going to have you tell me how you think this law would apply and then take this into consideration. To me, that would be negligence or maybe even reckless, which is a subtype of, ne it's still negligence, but it's, it's greater negligence. It's more severe negligence. Um, it seems like doing what I just described is negligent at a minimum or possibly even reckless. And it seems to me subparagraph two protects the outfitters and guys, says they have no duty to reduce the risk. And three, um, even if they have a duty, they could get out of it by having a release signed. Mr. Lieberman. Mr. Chair, uh, Senator Recti, I'm glad you brought up that example. It's actually a great one to our point here. Uh, so in the instance you gave, the folks that are providing the outdoor recreational activity, in this case, horseback riding, uh, are bringing in animals that they are not familiar with and that they haven't vetted with children, et cetera, whatever our specifics are in that instance. And thereafter, the incident occurs. I think what our bill is acknowledging, as with the ski area statute, is that we can't control that horses spook. We can't control that they're prey animals. But we can, to some degree, control which horses we choose based on certain criteria that are not enumerated because they are too many. There's no way that you could list the number of characteristics for an individual horse. But we can say that in this instance, the person can't control that horses are prey animals and spook. They can control whether or not they have vetted those animals for the activities that they are providing. Therefore, to your point, that would be an instance, which again, I am not an attorney. However, that would be an instance which, by my reckoning, would constitute some degree of negligence because they did not control those things that they can control. That's the whole point of this. We want to be held responsible for the things we can control. We do not think that it is appropriate that we be held responsible for those things we cannot control. And we think that that's reflected elsewhere in Idaho law. When you describe it that way, I, I agree with you. I don't think outfitters and guides should be responsible for controlling things that are inherent in nature and, and are outside their control. But I'm just not sure I'm seeing that in the language. Um, I spent significant time in drafting this legislation, comparing it with neighboring states and being certain that I felt comfortable we were preserving standard actions for negligence. So if we're preserving there the right to sue for and no immunity protections for anything that is deemed negligent, reckless, or intentional conduct of an outfitter or guide. Um, you're a very excellent example about horses that might not be properly vetted. To your point, that would fall into a category of probably reckless, um, certainly negligent conduct, and that uh, ability to sue for that is preserved, and outfitters and guides would not be entitled to immunity under that circumstance. This, um, The second part of the language that you were pointing to, lines 25 through 28, that was modeled in part after Idaho's ski statute and in part after the outfitting and guiding statute in Wyoming, uh, where there's been significant uh, 
case law on that language, eliminate, alter, lessen, or control. So in the, in the states where they have similar case law on inherent risk, it is a question for a jury if it's a close call about whether something is negligence or inherent risk. And I think that's important for precisely the reasons you identify to preserve those actions for negligence, but to not require outfitters to do what is impossible to control the uncontrollable or eliminate risk that cannot be eliminated. It's pretty broad because it says you can prospectively ahead of time waive negligence claims. Negligence is a broad term and it includes reckless. So that is saying you can waive negligent and reckless conduct against you ahead of time. Do you disagree with that reading? And if so, why? Ms. Corrigan. Uh, Mr. Vice Chair, Senator Repti, um, thank you. I do disagree and here's, here's why, two reasons. First, um, reckless or intentional conduct is actually a subspecies of gross negligence. And under current Idaho common law, no one in any context can waive their right to sue for gross negligence, reckless or intentional conduct. So I think that is the state of the law. And then the second reason why is subparagraph three indicates that such written liability waivers are enforceable to the same degree as similar waivers for other activities. Not to, not to a greater degree. So it makes liability waivers in this context be enforceable just the same as bouncy house, ski area, soccer, anything else. So to summarize, the state of the law already prevents a waiver for gross negligence, rec reckless or intentional conduct. It's clear to me that when you have inherent risks, you assume that risk when you participate in the activity. I don't think you should be sued for that assumption or you know, sue over that assumption of risk when you're then hurt. Uh, so that's where I'm at, just so you know. But what I, I see in this reading of this code is that it says, you know, uh, you can still maintain actions for negligence, reckless, and, and intentional conduct. But then in part three, it says, but they can waive all that, or at least waive with regard to negligence. And what I think I just heard you say is, no, we're only talking about negligence, uh, or we're only talking about inherent risks. So help me get that clear in my mind because I support the, the bill and the concept. Ms. Corrigan. Yes, Mr. Vice Chair, thank you. And, and Senator Anton, a very good clarifying question. I, I think the, the best way I can answer that is to give an example. So if, if I were to go to my son's football game and the they asked me to sign a waiver that if I got hit in the head by a football, that I couldn't sue the school. Let's just say that for example. Um, if I got hit in the head with the football, arguably someone was negligent. But I agreed that for the privilege of going to watch that game, I was going to take that risk that someone could do something negligent. Um, this is a very similar case. We, we all sign liability waivers all the time for all sorts of things. Um, this, this bill just says you can sign a liability waiver if you're going on a river trip or horseback ride. And if you promise not to sue someone in exchange for their services, you can't sue them unless they're grossly negligent, reckless, or do something really incredibly stupid. 
any person may by express written consent prospectively waive negligence claims. So what you're saying is because of the section up top, the only negligence claims I can waive are those ones like the football example and so forth. And so I'm just trying to be really clear there because I'm, you know, how will a lay person know that? Or is it just part of the agreed upon procedures of law? Mr. Corrigan. Uh, Mr. Vice Chair and, and Senator Wintrow, thank you. Another good question. I think it's helpful for, for you and the committee to understand that the current state of the law in Idaho for any other industry except this one is that you can sign a liability waiver and say, I'm I'm waiving my right to sue you if you're negligent. That's, that's true. We sign those for ki our kids. We sign them all the time and they're routinely enforceable except for outfitters and guides. So that's what we're trying to fix, not to um, play with what you can or can't sue for, for outfitters and guides, but to simply say that waivers are enforceable to the same extent that they are in any other industry. And that does include, I have the right to say, I, I waive my right to sue you for negligence. That's my um, right and responsibility as a citizen of Idaho, it's to make that decision. Only one person testified against the bill, arguing that lawmakers should not mess with a system that's been in place since the early 80s. My name is Wyatt Johnson. I am a member of the Idaho Trial Lawyers Association. I'm here because my organization has a, a, a problem with this bill. But the reason I am speaking is because I've been an Idaho outdoorsman my entire life. I've been an Idaho lawyer litigating statutes and contracts in this jurisdiction half of my life. This bill is a bad idea, and it's not doing what people think that it's going to do, and it's not providing the protections that the outfitters think that they need, and it's not serving the public. Outfitters and guides have to follow the rules of this statute and the rules that are crafted by the Outfitters and, and Guides Licensing Board. The Outfitters and Guides Licensing Board consists of one member of the fishing game, three members uh, who are experienced outfitters or guides who have been uh, participating for five, year, five years or more, and a member of the public. They define the rules, and they don't define extensive rules, but they've got some basic rules. An outfitter's got to have drinkable water. A river guide cannot go and guide somebody down a river that they haven't been down before. They've got basic experience. There are terrain regulations that certain terrain changes and outfitters and guides can or cannot operate in certain areas because conditions have changed, such as fires. That is the deal. And what happened in 1984 with the Supreme Court is the Supreme Court sat down and looked at this and they said, well, the legislature's made the decision here these are public duties. It's not saying that there's no duties. It's saying that the legislature has weighed in and the legislature has taken the time to draw the line and they've decided what a fair balance is between participants and, and outfitters. And that's a public duty. What this does, it says it's all negligence. The waivers remove all negligence. It is get out of jail free. The only exceptions are intentional conduct, which is if an outfitter shoots somebody, Recklessness basically amounts to something that would be intentional except for the person who's doing it's too stupid to realize that it's intentional. That's it. There's no good reason to change this. The outdoors are different. 
any fool who walks out into the outdoors without knowing the activity or knowing the area is probably going to get hurt and die and nobody would feel the worse for it. If you don't have the experience and you don't know where you're going, you either go with people who do or you hire somebody who does. The outfitters, guides and insurance brokers who testified on the other hand said the change is vitally important for the future of the industry and pointed out they already require guests to sign waivers even if the state won't recognize them. Uh, my name is Eric Weisseth. I live in McCall, Idaho. I'm the managing partner of Orange Torpedo Trips out of Riggins, Idaho, a small business guiding people on single day and overnight rafting and river-based adventures in Idaho's public lands. I'm also the vice president of the board of the Idaho Outfitter and Guides Association, and I am a member of the Idaho Outfitters and Guides Licensing Board. Our activities, by their very nature, are full of inherent risk. As guides and outfitters, we exist as risk managers, working to mitigate risk, but acknowledging we can never fully eliminate it, as it is ultimately impossible in the places we operate because the risks are truly inherent. You can never fully remove the risk of floating on a boat through rapids. You can never promise a tree will not fall randomly and injure someone on a hunt. You can never completely eliminate the risk of avalanches or weather-related issues in the mountains. These risks are built into going into these places. In reality, it is the inherent risk of the wild places we operate, which is a big part of what makes them special. One of the core tools we use to communicate these risks is our waivers. We're able to inform our guests of the inherent risks they will be taking on and what will be expected of them as part of their participation. This is typically not the only time we do this, but it is the time where guests can expressly agree and where they can see the risks more completely laid out. Our guests understand when signing these that they are in agreement required for participation in the activity. The state should also recognize this. Unfortunately, the current legal landscape and the lack of recognition of this inherent risk and the lack of solid language supporting validity of waivers in Idaho leads to an incentive structure for parties to bring suits against outfitters in the expectation of settlements. I have lived through this. It is sad and it is hard. This is contributing to an exodus of insurance providers to the outdoor industry. The number of insurance providers for the river industry has essentially dwindled, from my understanding, to two providers. As the competition of providers has dwindled, the cost of insurance has skyrocketed. I know ours has. At the same time, as food prices, gas prices, labor costs. These increase in costs, with insurance being at the heart of it, is, is actually putting outfitters out of business. We're going to cease to have this industry if we don't start to solve this problem. My name is Leslie Frazee, and I work for Seabiz Insurance Services in Lewiston, Idaho. I'm here to represent the insurance industry as a specialist in the recreation industry sector. As a broker that's been representing outfitters and guides nationwide since 1995, I can attest that it's the industry standard to allow for pre-activity releases. Historically, the recreation industry is at a disadvantage to an insurance company when an application is presented to an underwriter without that release. Insurance companies that represent insurance in the outdoor recreation industry will not underwrite an account that does not have a release or waiver that is reviewed and signed by the trip participant. The release gives the opportunity to the outfitter and guide to explain the inherent risks that the participant will be embarking on, as well as an opportunity for them to step away from that activity if they're not comfortable with the situation ahead of them. Together, increased litigation and social inflation have added to the elevated liability insur insurance claim costs, which has resulted in much higher insurance premiums in this industry. These claims, including those that hold merit or not, impact the insurability and insurance premiums for outfitters. 
I've seen the average insurance rates increase over 175% since 2016 and continuing to rise. This also has led to fewer insurance companies insuring the outdoor industry. As of this year, there are only three to four insurance companies that provide a viable insurance option for outfitters and guides. It's also um, providing capacity issues in which we can't get high enough insurance limits for some of those contracts that, that are required. While lawmakers agreed with the intent of the bill, not all of them were convinced it wouldn't be an unintentional blank check for outfitters. Uh, reading the section regarding ski resorts, again, it was modeled after this section, uh, but that section specifically states the operator shall have no duty to eliminate, alter, control, or lessen the risks inherent in the sport of skiing. So we have similar language that's based on the ski resort uh, provisions. Uh, they're still under those sections responsible uh, for negligent, reckless, or intentional um, conduct. And the release, which is the same for ski resorts or others that have inherently dangerous uh, aspects to it, is only effective as to the negligence. It's not effective as to gross negligence and the subsets reckless and intentional. Senators, at the end of the day, we have somebody making a choice to engage in inherently act, uh, risky and, and dangerous activity, and they're choosing to do that. Uh, they should be responsible for that choice, um, for those uh, waivers that they sign, for their participation in that program. They, they do not have to participate in the program if they choose not to. Outfitters and guides can't be negligent, reckless, or use intentional conduct. That You get that from subparagraph one and two. Subparagraph three allows you by release by this agreement, a release, a waiver, to waive um, any responsibility by the outfitter guide for negligence claims. And I, I'm just in um, direct opposition to what was said by the attorney, reckless is a subset of negligence. So the correction if they really wanted to say what they said, it would be any person may by express written consent prospectively waive simple negligence claims against licensed outfitters and guides. That would distinguish simple negligence from reckless behavior or intentional conduct. And it would, it would essentially say you can't as an outfitter get somebody who comes to you and is looking to you to guide them from waiving their reckless behavior or intentional behavior. Um, Hennifer is a Supreme Court case that defines what reckless behavior is. And they talk about it in terms of being a subset of negligence. So I, I think we're setting up a situation where an outfitter or guide can behave recklessly, not provide properly fitted um, vests, not have proper horses available for people to ride and, and the list could go on and on but you could see reckless behavior that um, people are going to wave they're going to get severely injured and then they're going to want to come to court to to, to be compensated for it and they're going to be told no you waived uh, this reckless behavior senate bill 1051 passed committee and is scheduled for a debate and floor vote in the senate Thanks for listening to this week's Idaho Reports podcast. Keep up with all of the action around the State House by reading our online coverage and signing up for our twice-weekly newsletter. 
You'll find all of the links at idahoptv.org slash idahoreports. We'll see you next week. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marcia Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.